Hello, everybody. Welcome to Desks and Dorks, your favorite board game design and creation podcast that, as always, is shaped by you, bringing you the best in indie tabletop gaming. Hello, today, topic of the show's not quite indie, definitely tabletop. I'm Riley, the desk to Kyle's dork, sadly not joined by Kyle. And as I want to do in my solo episodes, I'm doing a little bit of a dive about a specific topic. And today we're talking about Wizards of the Coast's announcement that they are changing the OGL and SRD terms. Now then, for those of you that are not super familiar, let me give you some background. Dungeons & Dragons, uh, the world's most popular role-playing game as it is touted, now owned by Wizards of the Coast, has had a system reference document and an open gaming license for a very, very long time. In fact, they have had one that has been sitting pretty much the same exact rule set for almost 20 years now, with third uh, 3.5 especially. So, it changing in early 2023 is a pretty big deal, because, you know, I don't think any of us really like change, especially not like that, and the type of changes that are happening while not... Game killing our game changing. So currently with the open gaming license, um, you cannot make any video game stuff. This is all paper or electronic material. Uh, As long as using their SRD, using very specific terms that we are allowed to use and only using specific monsters and such, you can make any content, either making homebrew, making up your own, or utilizing these stuff in the system reference document which is a very, very trimmed-down version of a player's handbook. Awesome. Uh, You can make it for sale. You can make it out for free. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, There is no revenue reporting currently. There is no having to put specific things um, like badges on your work currently. All you do is if you're using the system reference document or SRD and the OGL, the Open Gaming License, you got to throw that acknowledgement in your work somewhere simple as that um with the changes to the new one to to uh what's going to be called 1.1 of the ogl open gaming license it is going to be catered to work with one D &D, one dungeons and dragons the newest edition coming out there assuming in 2024 that is made to be backwards compatible with fifth edition essentially streamlining all of the race or species changes that they're making and things of that nature um but these terms will apply to any edition so any system if you're currently making dungeon dragons compatible work Using an open gaming license, you have to make the change to the 1.1. It is no longer an option. At least it will not be an option. Uh, there is no digital content allowed, or no like video game content allowed still. So NFTs, uh, video games, things of that nature have to have a completely different license and agreement. They are not covered in the open gaming license. That's normal to right now. That isn't different. You know, like Roll20 and other virtual tabletops actually have separate agreements with Dungeons & Dragons or Wizards of the Coast. Um, that's not covered under OGL, so none of that changes for us. Though that is, of course, cited in here just because they're keeping the playing field level, so to speak. Keep it. That's not changing. But the biggest change is that the three new things are we accept the license terms. We already do that and let them know what we're offering for sale. 
So they haven't explained what this means, but instead of just being able to make the content and post it, either on our own channels or what have you, or say um, if you are using the DMs Guild, which is in partnership with DriveThruRPG, which is more or less ran in partnership with Wizards using a more in-depth source, that, of course, it has to get approved before it gets posted. But normally, if you're just using the SRD and the OGL, you just post it and you're good. Now you have to let them know, which means that, of course, they're not saying there is, but there has to be some kind of a vetting process, right? So they're going to start cutting people down, which means people that may have been making content for years are going to be potentially limited or stopped from doing what they've been doing, even though it was fully within the terms. And it's it, it's game-changing in a negative way. Like, you know, it's going to reduce the creativity if you can't just make it. Obviously, there's always been limits, but making a limit of, oh, we have to put this in front of this giant company. So does that mean I have to wait six months before I can publish this now irrelevant thing? You know, Curse of Strahd comes out. I want to make something that's obviously not set in Barovia, but I want to make a Mists setting um, using the SRD. I could do that, and I could release that day two because that's where we're at. With the new OGL, I now have to let them know what I'm offering, and I assume we're going to have to wait for a vetting process, so it might be six months after another setting has already released before I'm even able to publish that. So that's it's sad. Um Number two, we have to report OGL-related revenue annually. Now, that's only if you make more than $50,000 a year on the OGL and SRD-related products. So there are not a lot of companies that do that, I realize, which is perfectly fine. But there are a few that, I mean, if you have a really successful Kickstarter that ends up kicking you right around the 50000 mark for a 5e thing, you now have to report that, and I believe... That, like you now have to report that to Wizards of the Coast, and then the more we do that every year, the, if they start seeing a lot of people at the fifty thousand, they're gonna start charging things. As of right now, they are not charging royalties on things of fifty thousand dollars or more. There's a very specific limit for that, which we'll get to in a moment. But they're clearly gonna be tracking it a little heavier, and that worries me when you mix that with making you have to let them know when you're making things for sale, even if you make less than that. And number three is including a creator product badge on your work. So not only do we put our OGL and SRD documents inside, letting people know that we're using them, and usually, you know, you would put like a fifth, like a compatible with fifth edition of the world's uh, most popular role-playing game or something like that on the cover or what have you. Now we also, on top of all that stuff, have to add a creator badge specifically by them. Because again, it's no longer the creativity. We have to make sure that we're in line with them. So if we're putting that creator product, of course, it's one way for them to make sure that we're not mimicking and trying to present as Wizards of the Coast, but there has to be a vetting project since we're now an authorized creator, so to speak, right? Now then, they are saying that when they roll this out, they're going to be adding a lot more facts. They're going to have explanatory videos. There's going to be a web porter for registration. So supposedly it'll be super easy to register. I, we'll find out. But the one other change is not going to impact, uh, in their paperwork, the fewer than 20 creators. Um, But it's only going to impact less than 20 people for now. But it is long-term going to make a huge impact. 
So the 20 creators, or however many worldwide, that make more than $750,000 in income a year related to OGL will be paying a royalty starting in 2024. Now, even making that much money in 2023, they're not doing it. And all revenue below 750000 in future years are classified as royalty-free for now. This is OGL 1.1. That's kind of the overview. Those are the major changes and all that they've released to us so far. Um, obviously, we don't do a lot with 5th edition um, as desks and dorks, but this impacts us greatly. Um, you know, it, it's, it's making a precedent that a lot of people are not happy about. The creators community for 5th edition is honestly disappointed. Um, yes, things need to change. Yes, they need to tweak it and make sure people know that it's not that you can't make an NFT using D&D property, things of that nature. But honestly, even three of the two of the three need to go in my mind, the, the changes. If we need to report the related revenue over $50,000 so that they can see how much people are making off of them, I'm fine with that. Accepting license terms is fine, but I don't think that we have to. We should have to register our product. Because again, that's going to start making a level of a door. You're making it less and less friendly for new people getting into the industry. And the creator product badge on the work, I think, is going to go hand in hand with that. But this is where we're at. I mean, this is the state of OGL 1.1 as of December 29th, 2022, you know, probably about a month to month and a half before we really jump into it. Um, I'm a little afraid for the industry. I know a lot of the, the that side of the industry are concerned about it. Uh, DM Dave is a really great content creator uh, or content. He's a well, I guess classified in this side a content creator, but he creates a lot of compatible adventures, monsters, maps, everything. And I know he's actually the reason I learned about it before anyone else because he was getting heavy into it. Um, it's not not something that we're looking forward to. Uh, and I think I'm going to be keeping you guys updated as they start releasing it, doing a little bit of a deeper dive in what it means. I know as players, you might not feel that it impacts you that heavily. Um, but not being able to have extra homebrew, just more more things to keep Wizards of the Coast on their toes, it's going to make the creativity stagnant. I mean, we're going to start seeing what happened with Magic the Gathering happen to Dungeons & Dragons, and none of us want that. So thank you guys for listening in. Uh, as they make updates about the OGL, SRD, and 1D&D, I think I'm going to be using my solo episodes to kind of keep us updated a little bit. And as always, you can listen to our other episodes every Friday by searching Desks and Dorks on YouTube or any of your favorite podcasting apps, youtube.com slash desksanddorks. You can watch our Monday videos, reviews, content-related board games, Kyle's terrible tier lists, a little bit of everything. Um, every Monday on youtube.com slash desksanddorks. Interact with us on any of your favorite social media just by searching us up. As always, guys, thank you, and you have a nice day. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 